attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I do find the reaction to the series finale interesting. So we'll get to that in a minute. But boy... How awful was that final round of the PGA Championship yesterday? To steal a line from Justin Williams, it was a poop sandwich of a final round. Brooks Kepka had a seven-shot lead. We're all thinking, this is all wrapped up anyway. Yet Kepka still shoots four over for the final round and wins. Then something washed over me as that round was finishing up. And Kepka was holding up the trophy, his fourth major championship in the last 23 months. I don't like Brooks Kepka. There are a few athletes I generally dislike. I don't really know these people, but I found myself openly rooting against Brooks Kepka on the back nine. And I don't think this is going to be somebody I like moving forward, even though he has four major championships and he's not even 30 years old which puts him in pristine places in terms of the history of golf. But here's probably why I dislike Brooks Koepka. I'm trying to unpack it a little bit. Mostly it's rooted in jealousy. Most of it. He's moderately jacked. Moderately jacked. Not completely ripped, but people go out of their way to point out how big his pecs are, how big his biceps are, but I believe that's more of a product of the Schmedium polos that he wears more than his actual arms. He's got decent-sized arms, but they look massive on TV because he wears the Schmedium polos. So I'm not a fan of that. He's got great hair, but you wouldn't know that because he wears awful Nike hats. Like, what is Nike doing? Brooks Kepka is one of your premier golfers. You give him a Nike hat that reads Nike vertically down the middle? Whose idea is that? It doesn't look good whatsoever. He has great hair, great locks. Show that off a little bit. He also has a girlfriend who's absolutely beautiful, who's always wanting to kiss him, even when he doesn't want it. Jenna Sims is her name. You might remember... Brooks Kepka's girlfriend being in the news. You might remember Jenna Sims when they first started dating being in the news. Joe Buck, you remember Joe Buck messing up her name a few years ago? I think this was at the U.S. Open. One of his first major championships. Joe Buck has come out publicly and said that this is one of his most embarrassing moments on air, even though I don't think many people would expect him to know what he got wrong here. Let's hear that. His girlfriend, Becky Edwards, All-American soccer player at Florida State, pro soccer player. Joe, that's actually his new girlfriend. That's Jenna Sims. They were all staying together this week. Facts, I'm glad you got the girlfriend thing right. Well, good friend of mine, Matt Broom, knows him pretty well and sent me that name. And Brooks told me secretively that they were together this week oh really look at you up on all the gossip Ah, on the pga tour ah, look at you look at you embarrassing me 
on national TV because I butchered the girlfriend's name. Or I just got the wrong girl. Brooks Kepka transitioning from an All-American or national soccer player to Jenna Sims, who's absolutely gorgeous, yet right before the round begins. Did you see this? Jenna Sims tried to give Brooks Kepka a good luck kiss, and you can read Kepka's lip saying, not now. She got shot down after the round ends. Clearly she saw that she was a meme. Clearly she saw there's all these GIFs, all these videos surfacing on social media that she's trending online because the round, has it's so bad. It's such a bad round of golf. More people are interested in talking about Brooks Kepka, him turning away a kiss from the beautiful Jenna Sims, than the actual golf itself. His playing partner, Harold Varner III, East Carolina alum, Harold Varner III. He shot six over par for the final round. That's how bad it was yesterday. So when the round ends, I was interested to see what was going to happen. Does Brooks Kepka go for the kiss? Is Jenna Sims going to want to put herself on the line again? So he's walking up the hill after winning the championship, walking off the 18th green. And Jenna Sims did not take any chances this time. She full out reached with both hands and grabbed him by the cheeks. Grabbed him by the cheeks on his face. Notebook style. So that he wasn't going to go anywhere. Here's the issue though. It happened. You never kiss your girlfriend and or wife before you go to your mom. So he had to go to his mom next and she just went in for the hug. Yes, Des. Is that a rule? I've never heard that rule before. Well, Don't kiss your girlfriend or wife before you hug or kiss your mom. Really? I've never even thought of that before. <laughs> it's a rookie mistake. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even think about that. I, I guess that logically you know, works out. It so. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another reason why I dislike Brooks Kepka. I'm jealous of him. Great hair. Moderately jacked. Girlfriend that always wants to kiss him. That That is a beautiful girl. And he's even turning her away. You sound like my uh, my disdain for Tom Brady literally follows the same path as yours with Brooks here, except for the fact that he has a dad bod, he's not jacked, and his girlfriend's a supermodel. So he's more <laughs> relatable, Tom mm. Brady. Mm. He is. He's a winner. Like, he just wins. Not everybody just wins, like, every year. Here's the <laughs> biggest difference between Tom Brady and Brooks Kepka, though. At least when Brady wins, you get close games that are exciting most times and historic wins. You have the 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 goal line interception against Seattle. You have the twenty eight to three comeback. I haven't enjoyed watching any of Brooks Kepka's major wins. He had a plus one U.S. Open title. He shot one over par to win his first U.S. Open. Did that two years ago. He beat Tiger Woods last year by two shots in the PGA. So we're all rooting for Tiger. But here comes Brooks Kepka. <laughs> <laughs> then he shoots plus four in the final round, four over par, to win another major championship. I haven't enjoyed watching any of these. I was rooting for Harold Varner the third. Here's Brooks Kepka, who's not even playing well, shoots four over par and ends up winning by two strokes. Wasn't he up like seven strokes at the end of Saturday or something crazy? Like didn't he have like the largest lead in like PGA championship history or, or something? That's why I didn't go near it on Sunday. Because I'm like, there's no reason for me to watch this. He's just gonna. Keep pulling away from the field. As I said that. 
I thought you might have. I just wanted to reiterate Thank it for you. the for the audience in case pre- they pre- you know just got in the car. Appreciate or, that. Yeah, of course, of course. Resetting. But, but that's why. But yeah, that's why I didn't watch it because I was like, there's no point. There's no Here, point in me to watch this if he's going to blow him out. Here's the golfers I don't like ranked: Patrick Reed, number one. Oh, all the golfers hate him. <laughs> he's awful. <laughs> You could do a quick Google search to figure out why people dislike Patrick Reed. He's just smug. Screw Patrick Reed. Number two, <laughs> Brooks Kepka. He's climbed all the way up to number two. And Francisco Melinari's three because he took a major championship away from Tiger Woods last year. And I take that bleep personally. Facts. Yeah. Wow. A lot of people were <laughs> mad on the internet today. Rick Bunnell's going to join us a little bit later on. He was at the, NF, uh, the NBA draft combine in Chicago. Hornets beat reporter for the Charlotte Observer. A lot of people are mad about the Game of Thrones finale. See, I don't watch Game of Thrones. So I'm neither happy nor upset. One day I'll probably get around to it. But here's a question I have to people who watch Game of Thrones. Or just might see all of this disdain for the finale and wonder what the bleep's going on. Is there such a thing as a well-regarded series finale? Do people... Give me the example of the series finale that was pretty much universally approved of. Most of them are usually hated. How I Met Your Mother, Lost, Sopranos. Usually, these are all hated because you love the show... You've spent so much time watching the show, and the expectations are out of whack. Your expectations for the finale, it should be the greatest thing. So your expectation is probably a little bit too high, kind of like with the Super Bowl halftime show. Usually those are pretty good. This year, I thought the halftime show was great. I thought it was fine. Let me put it that way. I thought it was fine. Everybody was crushing Big Boy and Maroon 5 the next day. I thought it was a fine show, but our expectations are way too high. Um, I am a Game of Thrones fan, as you know. We watched it last night. We'll rewatch it again tonight. Um, Hold one sec. You just watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. I don't read the books. I, I don't so read the books. So I want to say you canon. are a Game of Thrones fan. I'm you, a fan of you the are show. Late, you are late to the bandwagon. Right, but, but it actually makes my, 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 my view of the finale to me more clear because I'm not clouded by what's happened in the right. books. You know what I mean? Like, and that seems to be the big discussion so online I, right I now. I don't think you're a big Game of Thrones fan. When four or five months ago, you hadn't watched any of the episodes. You don't read the books. I watch ACC basketball, but I'm not a fan of any of the teams. I'm not a fanatic. I'm not. Right. A, yeah, I'm not. You watch Game of Thrones. I don't have T-shirts and banners, and you know. So you're not a fan. You just watch the show. I enjoy the show. There I, you go. I, I like the show. I, watch, I love the cinematography. Each one seems like a movie. It's the largest budget in television history, and it shows in the production value. I really liked it. So but. can anybody? Anybody bring to me an example of a series finale that was well liked? Cheers. The Cheers finale was uh, Friends. Friends ended on a good note. Mm, I've heard mixed reviews on Friends. I mean, I don't know how. See, that's the thing with me. I don't understand. The Office. When people people didn't like the end of The Office. Didn't like that. Uh, Mash was the highest rated series finale of all time. I've never really heard anything. Oh bad well, about just that. because it's high rated doesn't mean it's well received. I mean, back then, everybody only had four channels. So. Like Game of Thrones. <laughs> That was highly rated last night. Oh, I'm sure it broke records last night. That doesn't mean people liked it. I what I've noticed coming across Game of Thrones fans this morning. A, I have a rule where I don't respond to stuff like that until I've had a chance to sleep on it because it was so, I guess, emotional for viewers. 
I went and realized people were commenting 10 minutes after it went off the air. And I'm like, you, your brain hasn't even processed what you've watched yet. Sleep on it and then think about it. This morning, I, I felt okay with the end of it. It, it. Everything made sense. But, like, people wanted things to happen the way they envisioned it in their mind and from reading the books and seeing all the theories and everything for eight years. And then when the when the creators didn't give it to them, they, they snapped. <laughs> like, the, half the fan base just lost it. So they're out here waging war right now. One of these days, I'll get around to it. Dude, you should. It's 76 hours plus of viewing now, but right, it's worth it. It's like playing one of those long video games. All right, I know in order to beat this game, it's going to require me to play for about 72 to 74 hours. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I've, got to, I've got to find time to get here. It's like the old Final Fantasy games. I was Ooh. a nerd. Final Fantasy X. Mm. Woo! It's a long one. It's like, um... Had just a lot of fun with it, though. Carve out some days, like some hours on Sunday, and just watch, bang out a couple every Sunday. I watched a lot of things this weekend. A lot of movies, a lot of documentaries. I was really excited about last night's season finale. Oh, not Game of Thrones, but Barry. Big fan of that. They're going to get a third season, though. But coming up, three ACC draft prospects... NBA draft prospects who are flying under the radar right now. Keep it here on The Drive. I love talking and conversing with you. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, the The Sports Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. Now being joined by Rick Bunnell, Charlotte Hornets beat reporter for the Charlotte Observer. Before we get to the NBA Draft Combine, which Rick attended last week, tonight it is Game 4, Warriors Trailblazers, as the Warriors try to complete a clean sweep in the Western Conference Finals without Kevin Durant in the lineup. So Rick, I wonder what you make of what we've seen from the Warriors without KD. In the last few years, who do you think's had to sacrifice the most on the Warriors in terms of their role with KD being on the roster? Well, you know, I'm a little reluctant to use that word sacrifice. I would use the word compromise. Uh, They knew. They all went out to the Hamptons, made that big sales pitch. Um, They wanted Kevin Durant to extend their window to win championships. And this has never been a particularly selfish team. Um, You know, ball movement, very fluid, very European-style ball movement, the sort of stuff that we saw from the Spurs before the, the Warriors um, got into it. Um, it. You know, it's been a really beautiful, natural, everybody gets their, their touches system. So, you know, I think there's a level of balance there. I think it works. I also think that they all know that, um, you know, if somebody's out for a while, that team has enough uh, talent to absorb it. I, I'm not terribly surprised that they're having any, you know, that they're having an easy time with the Blazers. I will say this: I think that whoever wins the um, East is a dramatically more um, formidable opponent, and I think they really are going to need KD back for that for the final. Who do you think has a better shot, considering how they're constructed, at unseated Golden uh, at unseating Golden State out of Milwaukee and Toronto? Probably the Bucks, but I don't say that by a wide margin. Um, because frankly, I think Kawhi has has been 
the single best player in this postseason. But um, Giannis creates so many complications, so many difficult decisions that an opposing coach has to make defensively. And I think Mike Budenholzer did a fantastic job of um, constructing the way that they're going to play. Um, he, I remember the, the Bucks played the Hornets in the, in the season opener, and somebody asked Bud before um, the game, you know, when will you know when your team is taking too many threes? Because he spent the whole season talking about how they've got to take more threes, they've got to take more threes. And Bud just laughed and he said, if that ever happens, I'll be the first to tell them. Um, you know, if you spread the floor with three-point shooting that has to be respected, um, Giannis is as difficult as any player in the league right now of just breaking you down in a way that, you know, sending double teams is, is a horrible experience and not sending them is a worse one. Rick Bennell with us here from the Charlotte Observer. Follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Circling back to Golden State, I think a lot of people forgot how great Draymond Green can be. A guy who can put up triple doubles in big time games, even if it comes in a loss like Game 7 of the 2016 Finals a few years ago. But he was tremendous in Game 3. He's been tremendous really the last handful of games in this Portland series. What what do you make about uh, make of the emergence of Draymond in the absence of a player who was the best player in the playoffs before getting injured, maybe with the exception of Kawhi, with uh, Kevin Durant? Uh, that that Draymond Green probably does not get enough credit for how incredibly savvy he is. Um, this is a you know because he's such a physical player. Because we think of him first as being this really fierce guy, I don't think that he gets enough appreciation for what an incredibly analytical person he was. I heard um, I heard Steph say the other day, and I thought this was a wonderful way of describing it. Um, this is a guy who seems to have a dozen sets of eyes. Um, he's so aware of what's going on around the court, and in real time, he's so good at at uh, processing information and figure, making decisions. Um, some, honestly, I think a lot of times in sports we do not appreciate enough people's intellect as an, an important factor in their success. I was reading a lot of your draft coverage from over the re- uh, draft combine coverage from over the re- uh, weekend, Rick, and I look at Cam Johnson as somebody who really fascinates me. Covering a lot of his games this year at North Carolina, a lot of the criticism with him centers around him being a grad transfer, him being a senior, and many of the players in the first round who are selected are teenagers. He's 23 years old. How much do you think that can hurt Cam in terms of where he's taken? Well, on a macro level, I will say this. I think that um, the NBA over the last 20 years, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, um, has become much more like the baseball draft than like the football draft in the sense that um, potential, you know, what somebody could be over the entire length of his career trumps how soon can you can you get contribution from him. And obviously that works against a guy named Cam, a guy like Cam Johnson. It, you know, like Brendan Clark, who worked out for the Hornets today, is in kind of a similar situation. He, uh, you know, he played two years in San Jose and, the, and then uh, transferred to Gonzaga, so he's been in the college system four years, and he's 23 years old. Um, 
you know, those people are anomalies now. It's been a long, long time since Tim Duncan spent four years at Wake. Um, but I, you know, I, I just think that the NBA, you know, they, you know, they, they, they evaluate people for who you are. And the fact that in both the case of Johnson and in the case of, um, um, Brandon, Brandon Clark as well, these guys come across as very mature, very savvy, very wise. Um, I, I don't think it's going to hurt him all that much. I, I don't, you know, frankly, I don't think that um, his age is the thing that's going to work against Cam Johnson. I think what he's going to have to overcome is what position is he properly suited to play in the NBA le- um, level. Um, it's good to have versatility. It's also good to have a niche. Um, and I, I, I heard Matt Doherty saying on, on radio in Charlotte recently, you know, is, you know, is Cam Johnson a, a shooting guard? Is Cam Johnson a small forward? Is Cam Johnson a power forward? It's nice when players can play multiple positions. It's also important that you can plug them into something. Rick Bennell with us from the Charlotte Observer. He wrote the story on Cam Johnson from Chicago. North Carolina's Cam Johnson, no kid. He sees that as a plus in his NBA pitch, and he has many other um, nuggets that if you're an NBA fan and a Hornets fan, you certainly should be reading in the Observer and at charlotteobserver.com. But the thing that sticks out to me about Cam and covering him, like I said, this year is that he is so mature and he's a very likable um, prospect and likable player. Who impressed you most, either in personality or on the floor, from what you saw in Chicago? Well, um, I mentioned that Brandon Clark comes across as an old soul, and I will give you a direct comparison to who he reminds me of. I mentioned this to um, James Borrego today at the practice. Um, He reminds me a lot of Marvin Williams' first personality. Um, Marvin is a gentleman, and Marvin is a professional, and that stuff is, you know, it's it, it, you know if 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 somebody is you know a a not great teammate and he is going to score twenty five points in an NBA game on a regular basis, they're going to look right past that. But for some people, it you know it's I think it's much more of a factor. And Marvin's longevity in the NBA is a direct reflection of what a pro he is. And for some reason, there's a vibe about Brandon Clark that reminds me of that. Do you have any read on where Kimba Walker is right now? None. Um, and I don't know that Kimba is, is there. I think that, um, I will, I will say this. I think that if, if the Hornets and they're on record, Mitch Kupchak is, is on record as saying that they will do whatever they can to, to keep them. Um, that starts obviously with a, with a maximum salary, um, offer, but, um, very, you know, beyond that, Kemba is going to make a decision to a large degree on whether he thinks he's going to win the next five years or not. And it's no longer, you know, they've had eight years to put talent around him. This is no longer a tell me, this is a show me. They're going to have to take some kind of action, I believe. Um, you know, remember, they can stay in contact with Kemba. No other team can talk to him. The Hornets can continue to talk to him. Um, I think they'll keep him in the loop about whatever they're trying. Um, I would keep in mind that just because something hasn't been consummated by the July 1st doesn't mean that it hasn't been agreed to. What I'm getting at is I think they have to have a plan in place that they can demonstrate they're going to execute, not just um, good intentions, and they're going to have to spell that out to Kemba. What do you say to the Hornets fan 
who suggest it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation when you have 70 plus million dollars committed to Bismack Biombo, Marvin Williams, Nick Batum, and Cody Zeller next year. Uh, do you mean damned if you do and damned if you don't as far as resigning Kimball Walker and how limited you are to do anything else? I was one of the first people to say, I'm saying is I wouldn't take the other side of that. Um, I think that um, I think that the issue, and this is not a, you know, this is not a criticism of Kemba. This is just a, a, an acknowledgement of reality. You know, at the end of the day, he's a six foot tall human pinball. That's the way he plays basketball. And you know, committing a maximum contract to him over the next five years is taking a certain amount of risk. That at some point in that contract he may become a depreciating asset um, because of the nature of how he plays. I mean, how many people um, at his size are among the elite in the NBA? Um, you know, Allen Iverson at some point broke down. It's just a reality. And so they're going to have to have a leap of faith. Or And if they don't believe in that leap of faith, and I believe they do, by the way, then they should move on and start rebuilding. I just want it to be known, Rick, that we've done a full NBA segment on the draft and on the playoffs and the current state of the league, really, and we didn't bring up the names LeBron James or Zion Williamson. I just want that to be pointed out. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. You know, I think um, I think Zion going to the Pelicans, I think that that is God having a little bit of a sense of humor in the sense that um, the two craziest things that were going to go on in the offseason, which is, is Zion going to live up to the hype and what the hell is going to happen to Anthony Davis? Those two circles now now intersect. <laughs> well, Rick, we'll, we'll continue to follow that. Enjoyed your coverage in Chicago last week, and I know there's a lot more interesting wrinkles with the Hornets that are set to unfold in the following week, so I'm sure we'll be knocking on your door. Thanks for visiting with us in the triad today. Take care. You got it. That's Rick Bunnell on Twitter at Rick underscore Bunnell. CharlotteObserver.com and in the pages of The Observer. Here we go! You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, The The Sports Sports Hub, Hub. at AM 600, AM 920. We need to start having more fun around here. Tom Dundon's going to join us in a little bit, Carolina Hurricanes owner. It's a Monday. We've struggled a little bit already on today's show. We were talking about thugs. I didn't bring up thugs. That's really bothering you, isn't it? The whole thug conversation. In the control room, Desmond Johnson and intern Aaron spending airtime talking about thugs <laughs> in Winston-Salem. Thug activities. Talking about interesting collegiate experiences that we've had. So think things have gotten off base. Things have gotten off the rails. I'm fine with things going off the rails at times because sometimes that's where you need to go in order to have some fun around here. But, man, let's let's make sure these hot takes are good because I'm not in the greatest of moods. It's Monday, and it feels like it. Let's get crazy takes. You better bring it strong today at 336-777-1600. We suspend journalistic uh, integrity and responsibility for a 10- to 15-minute stretch, and that is for the purpose. It serves the purpose of just delivering that hot fire, delivering 
face-searing, face-melting takes of things we think uh, is going to happen, but we just don't necessarily have enough evidence to completely prove it presently. Let's get crazy. Crazy! 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 <laughs> All right! Let's get crazy! If you don't know the rules, it's pretty simple. If your take is hot enough, it will get rewarded with the following sound. It's a sound of accomplishment and of that red hot fire. Let's actually start with the phones at 336-777-1600. Henry, standards are high. It's Monday. Henry, let's get crazy. All right, I got two. The first one's for you. Uh, when you said you changed your exercise schedule, they've actually done scientific studies that show if you exercise in the morning, you have higher levels of testosterone in the evening. Wow. I guess that's a and hot you take. I've been delivered that. Yeah. All right. That's a hot take. Number two is I know we all hate the Bruins after that playoff series, but if the Bruins go on to win... The Stanley Cup, Boston, will have won the World Series, the Super Bowl, and the Stanley Cup in one year, in one season. And as far as I can tell, my, now my friend looked this up on his cell phone, but at least in the modern era, that's never happened to a city before. All right. Thank you, uh, Henry. Appreciate that. I don't think there was a take there, so I don't know if it warrants the, the red hot... Air horn there, just the hip hop air horn. Just realizing that made me angry, so I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if I can give my air horn for that. I just love Bob Ryan joining us on Friday, and he was infuriated with the Celtics for not doing their part to try and complete the Boston <laughs> the Slam domination. Thank you, Kyrie, for giving us just a little bit of happiness and following <laughs> all of that. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred. Let's start with Deontay Wilder. If not for the shoulder of that poor, poor lad he knocked out in the first round. I believe Deontay Wilder would have twisted Buddy's head backwards. You know how, like, those cartoons, you see heads spinning round and round and round? That would have happened if not for the guy's shoulder stopping his head from spinning. How about that? Is that a hot take, or is that just fact? <laughs> well, mean, no, that, 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 that is head. head. <laughs> yeah. Will defy human anatomy? <laughs> I think that is a hot take. <laughs> what do you got, Des? Thought he's gonna kill that dude. Um, the Handmaiden's Tale will be the next big show that everyone but Josh will be watching. What's it called again? The Handmaiden's Tale. I think it's just called The Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale. So it's Handmaid's such Tale. a big hit Handmaid's that you don't Tale. even know the name of it. I know where to find it. It's on Hulu, and uh, it's awesome. You can't get the hip-hop air horn if you don't say the name of the show right. Nah. He's already got his finger on the button. Nah, I mean, you can't. I mean, <laughs> It's going to be that show that everyone's not, talking about. Right. You're not gonna have it's the show that everybody's on. talking about, but we don't even know how to say the name of the show correctly. I'm sure that I've got this right. I think it's The Handmaid's Tale telling me how much I don't know about anything. Semantics. Handmaid's Tale. You're correct. All right, intern Aaron, what do you got? Students of Morehouse College graduated this weekend and received a large gift from billionaire commencement speaker Robert Smith. Robert F. Smith. Got to put the middle initial in there for billionaires. 
um, <laughs> who you promised to pay off every one of the graduating class's student loans. Wow. So, Morehouse College will have trouble finding next year's commencement speaker. (laughs) Today is Wake Forest's commencement address. Has me thinking. We were talking about this with Jay Billis a week ago. Anybody remember who their commencement speaker was? I don't. The kids from Morehouse remember this guy. Yeah, I'm sure they do. (laughs) I actually think my commencement speaker might have been Vince McMahon's wife, Linda McMahon. Huh. They went to ECU, right? Didn't Vince go? Vince went to ECU. Yeah. Really? I don't think Linda did. Yeah. Anybody get smacked with a steel chair? <laughs> that <laughs> did not happen. That would have been great. I think Linda McMahon is in the Trump administration now. She just stepped down, actually. Oh. Thank Which you. shouldn't really be a surprise, but... <laughs> That's the extent of our political commentary. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Brooks Kepka, I know this for a fact. I can't prove it, but I know it to be a fact. Brooks Kepka. Slept on the couch last night. <laughs> that serious, you think? She was mad. She, she was he was on national TV. They know the camera's there. He's getting ready to walk into the clubhouse. Jenna Sims is going in to kiss him. Nah, not right now. And then after the round, heady play on Jenna Sims' part. Don't leave any doubt that you're going to get denied again. Grab homeboy by the face. <laughs> Both hands, notebook, cover style. Uh, the cover here, of the sugar. notebook, just grab them. Uh, give me some sugar. You're not going anywhere, mother bleeper. <laughs> I thought the worst part was the first kiss attempt that he that he blew her off for. He had time for a fist bump from his boy. Oh, Notice that one? No. no. Yeah. I need to see this yeah. video. Oh, oh. She leans in for the kiss, and he's like, no, no, no. But oh my my guy's over here, so let me give him a quick fist pound. I, I need to see this video. And then video. she tried it again, and he's like, no, no. He's serious that, business. Is that, is that when she started like walking ahead? Right, I'm, oh, re-watching, yeah. I'm re-watching <laughs> the video. She's I'm re-watching the video. I need to see the play-by-play. Oh, no. I'm re-watching this. Okay, <laughs> she's going for it. Her face is just disdain. Then she realizes the camera is on them. So she just stifles her real feeling with a fake smile. <laughs> and surely enough, the reason he was blowing her off was to get a fist bump. Wow. Oh, goodness, Brooks Kepka. <laughs> so picture it. Brooks Kepka on the couch because that's where Jenna Sims sent him. And he's just cuddling with the trophy. It's him <laughs> and the trophy. Jenna Sims has the big old bed to herself. Is it the trophy and the money and the winnings? Because if it's the trophy and the winnings, that's a good night's sleep. Do you really want the money as much as you want the big cardboard check? <laughs> Can you cash what, what in the, the cardboard check? What was it, like $10 million, Something like that? Wasn't that the purse? Probably. Ugh. I would love the opportunity to try it one day. Well, a big, the big a, cardboard yeah, check? Just walking to my local branch. <laughs> walking to Lexington. I like to cash this, please. <laughs> it's like semi-pro. The guy had the check, and then he goes back to the team. Hey, uh, I tried to cash that, that that big old check you gave me, but they, they said they wouldn't take it. I need like a real check. I need I need like a real check. I got one. I've been holding on to all this right. all what day, got, all day. <sighs> Game of Thrones ended last night. Everybody's highly upset about what happened, what didn't happen, who died, who didn't die. I'm actually fine, thank you. I'm gonna tell you this right now: the Game of Thrones ending was actually pretty good. Ah! Like, not just actually good, it was really good. And if people get out of their feelings long enough to understand that and go back and rewatch it, they'll understand that 
pretty much every question you had was answered. Stop complaining to people because you didn't get your way. It's not your show. You're here to enjoy it. You're not a writer. You're not a director. There is no such thing as a good series finale. There just isn't. You can't please everybody nowadays. Everybody has a voice on social media. It's ridiculous. I, I made this argument the day after the halftime show at the Super Bowl. It's impossible the next day for that show to succeed. Breaking Bad was a pretty good ending, though. Oh, they were playing Badfinger and zooming out. Ooh. Yeah, that, that's. Yeah. They left it where you kind of were like, okay, I'm satisfied with this. As the police were converging. Mm hmm. Oh, that was a great song choice, too. Great ending. Very few of those, though. Few and far between. You got, you got one more? Uh, Intern Aaron, you got anything for us? Sure. Close us out strong. Drake and Gucci Mane. <laughs> oh, no. Were spotted at the Raptors game. Oh, yeah. Gucci was wearing Milwaukee gear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Drake <laughs> promised to pull some strings to get Gucci Mane in Canada. Apparently, Gucci Mane is banned from Canada. You have to say Gucci Mane. Gucci Mane. Yeah. Gucci Mane. I don't think you have to. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> so, here's a hot take. <laughs> For the segment, uh, Drake and Gucci Mane will release a joint album next summer. The big goo-wop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trizzy and goo-wop. He hasn't been the same since he got, like, the teeth straightened out. and he's, I think it's a clone, actually. I think you don't think it's the real Gucci nah, Mane? No, I don't. I think, that's, I think Gucci Mane is still in prison, and that's a clone of him. On a related around. note. My uh, air conditioning wasn't working in my car. Needed to get a little bit of um, Freon added to the mix there. Then I got into my car after I picked it up at Beamer Tyronado who hooked me up. And the first thing I said when I got in my car with air conditioning was, <laughs> Up next, why I can't stand Brooks Kepka. Keep it on the drive. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. It was such a pleasure covering this Carolina Hurricanes team. The entire postseason run, we were at all the home games and the Hurricanes advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals and their first postseason appearance since the 2009 season. Rod Brindamore was gracious throughout the playoff run, always thankful for the efforts of his players. I always enjoyed that. Every single time I saw Rod Brindamore, the video after the games of him addressing his team, he always started with, thank you. Thank you for your effort. And Tom Dundon, the owner of the Hurricanes, now joins us now just finishing his first full season as the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. Tom, I wonder, how, how do you begin to convey perspective to a guy like Rod Brindamore and convey your level of gratitude for the season that you just enjoyed? Yeah, I mean, I think he was, first of all, thanks for having me, but he was, he was uh, yeah, I think he's the most important part of everything, everything that happened. You can't, it's, he wouldn't, he wouldn't like to hear it and he would never probably even believe it, but I think it's fairly obvious. When you first hired him to be your head coach, we often heard about this. You, you, I think the expression you use, that's the most competitive guy I found other than myself, that you guys were very much drawn together because of your level of competition. How would you characterize the working relationship between you two, between owner and head coach? You know, what I, what I respect most about him is even though he's 
He's, he's really bright, and he's got the experience. And he, you could, you could envision people with that, those credentials, um, not being open to being challenged their ideas. You know, we don't. We try not to have a culture within the organization where anybody dictates to anyone else what we're going to do. But you know, try to make sure that that everyone's open to having conversations, even if they disagree. And then, you know, I I trust him a lot to to value his coaches and scouts and analytics and what his players think and what he thinks and come come up with the right solution, and he's, he's, he's really good at it. You said he's the primary piece in getting this turned around the way that it, it went this year to the Eastern Conference Finals. What do you think his greatest achievement was as a coach, though, the, the biggest hurdle he had to climb in order to get this team where it ended up? I mean, it's, it's, we've talked a lot about it. It's probably just the culture, the – you know, when you walked in the locker room over a year ago, it didn't have the – there wasn't the correct feeling. It didn't feel like a place where great things were going to happen necessarily. And, you know, that's the opposite of what it was this year. Even when things weren't going well, you expected things to start going well. And one of the things that made the end of the year really hard is I think people thought they were going to win every day, right? And then you didn't a couple times. and. You know, it's a lot better to lose and be surprised than to lose and think, well, you know, we're used to it. And that, that's been a big change. Carolina Hurricanes team owner Tom Dundon with us here on the Sports Hub. So when we, we when we chatted after you clinched a playoff spot, it was the day after the Columbus game or the New Jersey game, I beg your pardon, where you guys clinched a postseason appearance, the franchise's first in 10 years. You said that you didn't enjoy the last few weeks of the regular season because you wanted this so badly and wanted the team wanted the team to uh, be able to get to a place they earned. You felt they earned, and that is the postseason. How much did you allow yourself to enjoy the postseason run once you guys made it to the field of 16? Yeah, it got easier for sure. Um, it was like like we talked about, it was – the most emotional stress outside of any, you know, real tragedies in life, but in terms of just these things that, like sports, that get you emotional, it was a really hard few weeks. Uh, oh, sorry, that's me reminding me to call you. <laughs> well, you made um, it. Yeah, I must have snoozed it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, then the playoffs got easier. But, you know, when that game seven with Washington was really difficult to watch and think about and prepare for and and uh, you know then you start winning and you get you you start thinking oh we could do this and so then obviously as soon as you lose a couple it stinks but nothing nothing was as bad as that couple weeks I can't imagine it'll be that bad again have you been able to let perspective um and also just what you guys accomplished let that have you reflected yet on what this what this team actually accomplished, or do you think that will take more time? No, I mean, look, like we, I've said a few times, so proud of everybody, and you, you definitely, you know, what what these players and coaches did is they started to make us relevant again, and and that was an important step, and you know, now we, like everybody in sports, but our our job now is to figure out how can we get incrementally better, and. Now we have a culture and a, a level of play that we need to protect, so we have to be more careful than we were in the past um, with the decisions we make and how it affects what we've got. But it doesn't change the fact that you know we have to be better. We 
we didn't win, so we have to be better. But before we move on to what's ahead, did I do I have this right that you you know very little about the pig Hamilton the pig? How is that possible? I know not. I mean, it just showed up, and I look a lot of this stuff, the bunch of jerks and the the storm squad and the pig and a lot of these neat things that the organization did. I I uh, they weren't me. I mean, I I find out I find out. After it's already in motion, so wait, the bunch yeah. of jerks thing wasn't you? No, no, I said yes when they came up with the idea to make t-shirts. <laughs> I loved it, but yeah, I didn't call and say make t-shirts. Uh, so they started making them. Are, are you of the opinion that these are things that you need to create organically year by year? Is there a chance that we see the storm surge next year? The bunch of jerks make a return, or do you are you a fan of all right, new year, new ideas? No, I think both those things are pretty interesting, right? Like, um, I, the storm surge isn't up to me, right? I hope the players do it. Like, if they ask me, I'll, I'll, I'll endorse strongly that they keep doing it, but they're not going to, one, they're not going to ask, and two, it's their choice. But, um, yeah, the bunch of jerks, I like the t shirt. I think it's pretty neat. So I have a feeling that we'll stick with that for a while. Um, and then, yeah, you hope other things come up, right? You can't, you can't force this stuff. You just got to create an atmosphere and an environment where good things can flourish, hopefully. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you, Tom. I, I was at Game 4, and I was on the fence. I'm like, all right, I'm not generally a T-shirt guy, but I, I, the, the, the T-shirt just looked too clean. I had to get it. So I, I got the Bunch of Jerks T-shirt. I caved at the last moment, but I got myself a Bunch of t- uh, Jerks T-shirt now. But looking at other areas to improve from an organizational standpoint, from a hockey standpoint, what are some of the areas you've already identified to get better moving forward beyond this season? Well, you know, I wouldn't say it's me, but I think the organization as a group realizes that. And, look, I would say it's every single team in the league, except maybe one. <laughs> we need to score more goals, right? Like, um, So we've got to figure that out. And I think a lot of our players are – at an age where they're getting better and they're, you know, if we play with the same coach in the same system for another year, um, hopefully, hopefully some of those results continue to improve, but that's probably the main thing. And then I think the easy answer is our, you know, it's probably well documented. We didn't score on the power play the way we expected. And um, I'd say that's going to be a priority for the organization this summer to just rethink. I mean, Roddy and the team worked really hard at it. So it wasn't from a lack of preparation, a lack of effort. A lot, it just, you know, for whatever reason, you didn't get, we didn't get the results all the time. And, and uh, now we have months to think about it, right? But I'd say I'd be, I think we'd all be disappointed if that doesn't improve because sometimes you got to fail to really, you know, move forward. And, and in that one, we, we, we didn't do as good as we needed to do. Kane's owner, Tom Dundon, with us here. Um, I I spent a lot of time in Eastern North Carolina and got to know a player who played out in Eastern North Carolina, a high school football player at the time by the name of Todd Gurley, who now is a Los Angeles Ram, and he did the hurricane siren before game four. And I I, I talked to him a couple minutes after he did it, and he just said, man, this this environment, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's unlike anything else I've seen. And Ron Rivera was on this show after he did the siren. He said it was just... An, an unbelievable honor to be in that space and to do the siren and to get to watch what that environment was in the state of North Carolina. And he encouraged many of his players to go watch the team play the next round, and many of them showed up for Game 3, I believe it was. What piece of feedback 
has resonated most with you when you hear the way people have talked about this environment was or the way it was during the postseason? Yeah, you know, look, it was it was great to have those people that wanted to be involved with the team, and 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 you know, unfortunately, when Rivera we won, but then the, when the players were there and and Gurley was there, we didn't win, so it wasn't as good as it could have been for them. But yeah, I mean, you want it to be interesting, right? You want people to care about the team and and feel that excitement. So it was it was good to have them there, but more importantly, it was the fact that they wanted to be there, right? That that hopefully shows everybody that there's something interesting to care about in the watch because you are making I, I made this point a few weeks ago that it it feels cool to follow Hurricanes hockey it feels cool it might be the first time even though they won the championship in 06 it feels cool to watch this team with the bunch of jerks and you have a DJ in the arena which has a different feel than say an organist and it's it's little things like that these are things that you think about yes yeah I mean look I think it, it's it would have been neat to see us go a little further because, yeah, I think there was, for the casual fan, the fan that either their team's out or, you know, doesn't have an allegiance to one of our big rivals, it definitely feels like nationally we were getting more than our share of well wishes and attention. And that, you know, that is a lot of credit, you know, to the players and the coaches and the way they, that everybody did things. But yeah, it would have been neat to go a little further to see if that would have kept going because it, it had some momentum around the brand for sure. Well, Tom, I appreciate you taking some time to talk about the team with us. Congratulations on an incredible first full season as Hurricanes owner. Now, I guess the golf is coming up. Uh, Going to hit the golf course a couple times this summer. Do I have that right? Yeah, well, summer will be good, but we gotta we gotta get better this summer for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. We'll chat sometime soon. All right. Thank you. Have a good show. You got Bye. it. That's Tom Dundon, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. I didn't wear my bunch of jerks T-shirt today, but perhaps, perhaps next time. I'm not a big T-shirt guy, but in recent weeks, I've been investing in that. This this T-shirt I'm wearing right now, I got the 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 North Carolina state flag or i guess the shape of north carolina on the shirt the one that says home on the front there are you that type of guy when you see t-shirts and you just say wow that's clean i gotta have that sometimes yeah like yeah. if i see something this I is really one of them like. i had to get this weekend oh, okay the north carolina home shirt yeah. i always like dry fit i like that yeah um i saw a real sweet uh contra t-shirt mm-hmm. like this weekend that i really want to get the bunch of jerks t-shirt i i dropped 35 bucks on it. $35? At the Canes game on Thursday. It was $35 for a t-shirt? Had to get it. Had to get it. And, they, and they've sold ballin'. a lot of shirts. <laughs> yeah, you're balling. <laughs> we'll play NBA Draft Prospect Pick'em next on The Drive.